0: we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from
1: them. All right, without further ado, your senior pastor. We wanted to delay it for a week or so, and that's okay. Because God's God, he can do whatever he wants. Amen. Anybody, anybody here not know that God is God and he can do whatever he wants? Uh, and, you know, your best laid plans, uh, they're, they're, well, sometimes it doesn't work, you know, and then sometimes, has anybody ever had an opportunity or, a, or a, 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 a been in a position where all you had was God? Because oh, yes. if you haven't, I suspect that you will. Now, uh, Jonathan, are we, are we live? Uh, yeah. Oh, we're live, okay. Well, well, that's good because everybody needs to hear this because sometimes all we're going to have is God. And, you know, that's not a bad thing, you see. Uh, we would say that, oh, my goodness, that's bad because if all we've got is God, then we've got to rely on Well, yeah, but that's the whole point. Sometimes God allows you to come to your lowest point, so all you've got is Him. And let's face it, there are times in life that God wants you to know that you have Him, and then all you've got is Him, because here's what our tendency is. Our tendency is to relate to and rely upon other things. Now, not that that's always bad, but the fact of the matter is, if God's trying to get our attention and He wants you to rely on Him, then I suspect we ought to rely on Him and rather than the other things that are available to us. Amen? And God is not beyond the idea of, p- of bringing you to a place, and he'll use any means and ways that, that he needs to to do it, uh, to wipe out everything else, so all you've got is him, and you're going to have to rely on him because if you don't, what else is there? Do you know that there have been times in life for me, and I suspect all of you have been there w- at least once, that you wanted to rely on other things, but all you had was God, and when that happened. You didn't like it so much. And you, you were hoping for other things to rely upon. I think sometimes we don't mean to do that, but we have. And it's like, wait a minute. Well, if the God of the universe is all there is, and that's all you need, and he's right there, Why would you consider relying on anything else? And sometimes God allows things to happen in our lives where we realize that and we'll go to him first. But I believe that there are times in life when God's all we've got and we're wishing for something else. Now, let that that sink into your brain pan for a minute. God's all you got. That's all you're going to have. And you're wishing for something else. Why is that? How could that be? What causes that? That's scary. It's, it's scary because you've heard me tell the story many times where you know uh, somebody fell off a cruise ship and you know they threw a, 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 a life ring to them, they said, No, 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 I want the yellow one. How ridiculous is that? This one's red. I prefer the yellow one. I'm going to grab any life thing they throw to me, I think. But somehow in life, we want to say, wait a minute, God. You know, I know you're there. You're the greatest thing ever, but I'd rather have something else. Is that possible? Would Would we even fathom that in our minds, even if we wouldn't publicly admit it? I have you, God, but I'd really rather have something else. Well, in our humanness, I believe it happens. I believe it happens. And when we were going through Genesis a number of months ago, uh, and as I was reading here, uh, some things began to portion in my mind. And I thought, okay, that ought to be a sermon. It's not a very big one, but it ought to be one. And so if you have your Bible, turn with me to Genesis chapter 12, all the way back to the beginning of Abraham. And you might think, well, why will we start in Genesis? Well, it's the beginning. And since 2021 is a, is a uh, year of new beginnings, which it is, amen, uh, I, I think we ought to start there. And so I want to talk with us about new beginnings. Now, uh, when we go back to Genesis in the book of, Be- of beginnings, uh, we do so to find... Uh, God's purpose for his people. Did you know that God has a purpose for you? Who in here knows that God has a purpose for you? Okay? Anybody home at Mecca, do you know that God has a purpose? Because you need to understand that you are not a mistake. I don't care how you came to being. You are not a mistake. Because if anybody could say they were a mistake, it's me. And God proved to me long ago that I am not a mistake, no matter what other people might have said. You understand that? You are not a mistake. Again, I don't care how you came to being. You are not a mistake. God has a purpose for every single soul ever conceived. He has a purpose for you. And ultimately, He has a purpose for His collective group of people on the earth. Amen? Amen. Now, God certainly has an eternal plan for humankind, would you agree? Otherwise, you wouldn't be here today. But He also has a physical plan for you as well. He wants you to enjoy life, that's why He gave it. From the beginning of history, humanity's contribution to both of God's plans has been rather disappointing. We disappoint him spiritually, and we disappoint him physically. For we do things that are outside of what God has said you must do, what you must be. And we have given over to evility, which means that we have used this life and what it affords us in ways that are not God's plan. And in that scenario, we find ourselves spiritually inept and physically inept outside of God's plan. And the early chapters of Genesis picture Adam and Eve's fall and then the general failure of society that continued on all the way into to Noah's day. And, of course, we know what happened because of that. God decided to wipe out humankind from the earth, which he did, other than Noah and his family. And you'll also find in the Bible that that God says he was sorry he ever created humans in the first place. Now a lot of people can't believe it, but it's actually there. Now following, following this great flood, God's plan again seemed destined to failure as a result of human disobedience. And I dare say, we could say, it continues on even in today. But in Genesis 12, God chose to begin one more time with one man. His name is Abraham. Genesis 12, starting at verse 1. Listen carefully. And the Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, leave your people, and your father's household and go to the land that I will show you did you hear that leave your country your people and all of your father's house everything you know and go not where I'm saying but where I will show you in other words I'm not going to tell you yet just go Uh not very many of us pack up for a trip not knowing where we're going but god said you leave this place and you go to where i will show you you have to trust god here he said in verse two i will make you into a great nation and i will bless you i will make your name great and you will be a blessing and i will bless those who bless you and whoever curse curses you i will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, that's a pretty big, tall order. And so the Bible says that Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Well, now God never said take Lot. Right. And that was problematic from the get-go. Mm-hmm. And it says that Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. That's right. And he took with, his wi- with him his wife, Sarah and his nephew Lot and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan. And then, the Bible says, they arrived there. Mm -hmm. And Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. In other words, you came here, and because you have, Not only will you possess it, but your offspring all the way down the line will possess this land. It will be theirs. No one will ever take it from them. It's theirs. I'm doing it. And so the Bible says that Abram built an altar there to the Lord uh, who had appeared to him. And from there, he went toward the hills of east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And then he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. And then Abram set out and continued toward Negev. Now, first of all, <coughs> a couple of things we have to understand here. First of all, God gave Abraham both a gift as well as a promise. And as we read that, we might not necessarily concede that in our minds that this is a gift. Because. Clearly, most of us want to move when we want to move, not when someone else prompts us to do so. And not only that, leave everything you know and go. And so it's still a gift. (laughs) Even if Abram didn't understand it, even if we don't understand it, God still says it's a gift. First of all, who was Abram? Well, from the long lineage in Genesis 11, in which people lived really long lives, some 900 years, a lot of them, uh, so uh, they began having children, and they lived life, and then they died. And pretty much uh, since Adam, everyone was the same, with just a very few of them being godly men. Right. Of course, no one, a few others we could, we could mention. But then along comes this guy, Abraham, you know, uh, and he's different. He, he's, he's, he's got a heart for God. And most men at this point have not had a heart for God. They've had a heart for themselves, right. which, of course, means a heart for Satan, although they would never admit that. And so God sees things in Abraham that these other people, well, they just don't have. There's something different about Abraham. And so not a lot is really known about him. But one day we know that the voice of God spoke to Abraham. He said, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land that I'm going to show you. Now, apparently here, uh, God wanted to get Abraham and his family away from the present influences that must have been around them during that day. Yeah? You know, sometimes, friends, we pick up and take in with people that we ought not. Sometimes we surround ourselves with people that we shouldn't. Now, I have purchased a house or two in my lifetime, uh, and let me tell you what I did. When I went to to look at the houses that I was interested in purchasing, uh, you and I both know that the first thing we do, we'll look at the yard, we'll look at the house, we'll look at how it accommodates us, we'll look at the amenities it has, we'll look at the price range it's in, and, 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 and we'll start there. Very seldom do we look at the neighborhood first. Very seldom. Sometimes we do, but not often. But I would suspect and suggest that the neighborhood would be very important. Now, some people like to be city dwellers, and other people like to be country dwellers. Some people don't want to live anywhere near people. They want to have their own place out in the middle of nowhere where they can look up at night and see the stars. They can hear the animals outside. And some people, that scares the snot out of them, so they don't want to do that at all. Mm -hmm. I personally am an out out one. I want to be out there, away from people, have no problem with that whatsoever. But I grew up on a farm, and that's the way things were. Now, I enjoyed going to the city. And living there with my grandparents, uh, both sets of grandparents lived sort of in the city, one end of the city for sure, another pretty close. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I, I can live in both, but I suspect that if we took a poll, it'd be about 50-50. Mm-hmm. People, you know. But neighborhood's pretty important, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, when I was moved to Terre Haute by the Lord, I didn't choose Terre Haute. God did. Amen. Because Terre Haute wasn't a city I was interested in coming to. But God said, I want you to go there. And so I said, okay, God, I'll go. And we did. And 20 years later, here we are. So you do what God has said you should do. But in neighborhoods, uh, wherever we might live, there are influences around us. Amen? Amen. Whatever you do, wherever you go, even in the job that you have, even in the schools that you choose for your children, there will be people around them, yes? Definitely. And sometimes they're a pretty darn good influence, and you're like, this is great, and other times, not so much. And you're like, wow, I have known people that have moved from a house, from a neighborhood, because they didn't like the influence of the schools or the neighborhood on their children. Mm-hmm. You've heard of that? Amen. It happens. And some people are just too darn lazy to do it. Mm-hmm. Amen. It's too much hassle. And so they put up with it, even though they know that they ought to. Now, I'm not telling you to look at your neighborhood and, and leave. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is we influence ourselves with people sometimes that we ought not. And I believe that there's no such thing as I didn't know that. You do know. When someone is a godly influence or they are not. Amen? Mm -hmm. You know when someone has godly tendencies and when they have satanic tendencies. Mm -hmm. That's right. Tell me you don't. don't. Wake up. Come on, wake up. We know, don't don't we? We don't don't like to admit it, but we know. If you're a Christian, you know it. Mm -hmm. Because your spirit and your discernment tells you this isn't right, this isn't good. Amen. Who's been there? Who's been there? Come on, okay, you know. So apparently God wanted to move Abraham from these present influences, and he wanted to get him alone in a land that he didn't know anybody. Not very many of us, when we pick up, would go to a different country. Mm -hmm. That's hard to do, isn't it? When we think about moving, we move to different neighborhoods, not countries. Mm -hmm. Moving states is tough too, by the way. Mm -hmm. But some can't wait to do that. And that's fine. But moving countries is very difficult to do. And if you've ever lived overseas, and I have, uh, it's not quite the same. Okay? It has some amenities, I suspect. But it, it's always good to get back to the old U.S. of A. That's because that's home. Right? This is, this is who we are. And so Abram didn't have that opportunity. He said, God said, move and go here. Away from everybody, you know everything, you know everything. And he wanted him to do it, I think, so that God could teach him and give him an inheritance that is different than the one he had planned on. Now, that's interesting because we like to build our own inheritance. We like to build our own kingdom, our own castle, you know. And God is like, well, wait a minute. What if the one I want to give you is better for you? Well, 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 what's it like, God? Well, I didn't ask you that. What if what I want to do, I think is best? Will you accept that? I don't know. Tell me we don't do that with God. Now, come on. I suspect that Abram had a lot of questions in his mind. And you know his children had some questions. His household, right? You know they had some questions. Anybody? Come on. But accept, in, in accepting what God has said to do, in, in, in accepting this challenge, Abraham receives God's greatest gift. Now, how or why God came to get in touch with Abraham is lost in the providence of God. We don't know. The Bible doesn't say. But in calling Abraham, God gave his greatest gift, which is himself. Do you know that God's greatest gift is himself? Amen. Gift. I suspect that when we think of God's gifts, we think of the blessings God can provide. Anybody with me here? You start listening to things, and you get this, visions, How's it go? Visions of sugar plums dancing in your head. Amen. We start to think of all these things, the flashing neon lights that we think are the great things and the gifts that God's going to give us. No, the greatest gift is himself. In the New Testament, we're told Abraham believed God. I'm not sure I always believe God. I'll bet you you don't always believe God, but the Bible says that Abraham did. Abraham believed God, and it was counted under him as righteousness, Romans 4.3. And so in response to the love and call of God, Abraham found God's presence in his life. And aren't you glad that God has manifested himself by the Holy Spirit and put presence of himself in your life? Because I'm not sure that every day when you wake up, that's the first thought that hits your mind. But it ought to. Because God's presence, His being in you, is the most precious gift, the most precious commodity you could ever dream of. And and let me tell you something. Go out and do something without God one time and see if I'm not right here. Anybody ever tried that before? Doesn't work so well, does it? Yeah. And you wonder how people that don't have God, how they do it every day. You wonder how you did it. And Abraham believed that God would work through him to ultimately bring about the divine salvation for all of humankind. Because God said he would. Now, that's a big thing. You know, God said, I, I'm, I'm going I'm to save humankind through you. <laughs> Yikes. It's a big deal, but you got it. I'm going to do it. Now, notice this is the Old Testament. But that was God's promise. So even back then God was God God was working for the salvation of humankind. Now, it's always been God's desire to save humankind from not only Satan but from himself. Humankind needed to be saved from himself. Did you know that? That's right. You need to be saved from you. I need to be saved from me. Why? Because we make poor decisions. We follow wrong pathways. We desire things that aren't good for us. Tell me we don't. Come on, come on, come on. Come on now. Mm-hmm. We do it, kids. We do. We do. We'll say we don't, and we'll sit up there on our pedestal and say, Yeah, I, I would do it again, too. <laughs> well, you shouldn't. Because it's not going to get you where you ultimately want to go, and that's heaven. Amen. And God, it's a shame that God had to send His only begotten Son. Amen to die for you because you wouldn't choose it otherwise. That's what he did, though, you see. And so the more I think about this, I think this is significant, what happens to Abraham. God knows and he wants you to understand that you are your own worst enemy. Mm -hmm. Because Satan could have no part of you if you didn't give it to him. Do you understand that? especially not since you said, I do, to the Lord Jesus Christ. When you said, I accept Christ, what happened here? A metamorphosis takes place, and all of a sudden now, the devil has to have permission to mess with you. And you know who gives it? You do. And we're going to stand here today and say, no, 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 when it's yes, yes, yeah. Yes, we have. We've given the enemy permission to screw around with us because of the desires of our own heart. That's what the Bible says. By the desire of your own heart, you are, you are taken away and, 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 and enticed. We like enticement. It's a, wor- it's a word we don't often use, but it's a word we like. Enticement. And so we look a little bit further, and we find that God gave Abraham a promise. God said, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Now, this is interesting, because this was promised to a man and his wife for whom childbearing seemed an impossible hope. It seemed like it would never possibly happen. Well, no. No. When, you're, when you get to a certain age, uh, you're pretty sure it ain't going to happen. Right? Right? How many of you in here know that it's probably not going to happen for you, no matter how hard you try? Yeah. And some of you are like, uh-oh, look what's happened. <laughs> it does happen, doesn't it? But at a certain point, it doesn't, you see. It's, it's, part, it's part of life. It's part of the physiological makeup of who we are. And so they're thinking, no way, it can't be. But God later reaffirms His promise. He told Abraham, look up at the sky, count the stars, if you indeed can count them. Have you ever tried to? Who's tried to count stars? Anybody? Good luck with that. Yeah. How, what? What did you get to, by the way? That's a whole bunch of stars, isn't it? Now, not on a cloudy day, maybe not. But but listen, on a clear night, you 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 ain't gonna get there. Doesn't no matter whatever number it is. Anybody? God says if you indeed can count what He knows He can't. But so shall your offspring be. <laughs> That's an awful lot of people. Now, it would be difficult, I think, to believe and trust in God with something that you know is absolutely impossible. You know how I know? Because I do it. When I know that something is absolutely physically or whatever impossible and God said it's going to happen, I would struggle there. Anybody with me here? Let's Let's just be honest. If you know it's a physical impossibility and God said, well, wait a minute. Let me, let me tell you, my wife's not here today. She's over with the kids. But I know for a fact that my wife can no longer bear children. I know that for a fact. But if God came to us and says, about this time next year, we'd be like, oh. Right? And I'd be like, is, is that really you, God? Anybody here, you know, talking about here? But see, it's more than that, you guys. There's there's all these things that God can do, and you know it's an impossibility. And if God were to come to you and say, you know, you'd be like, well, hmm. First of all, is it really you, God, speaking? Yeah. And then it's like, well, God, how are you going to do that? Has anybody ever said, well, God, how are you going to do that? I know you're God and all, but how are you going to do that? Now, think about that statement. Now, I know you're God, but how are you going to do that? God's like, really? I'm God, but you wonder how I'm going to do it? I'm God, right? If I'm God, can I do it? Yes. So what do you care how? What you're really saying is you really can't, can you? That's what you're really saying. Because you're not convinced. And so God's wanting to know, well, what would it take for you to be convinced that He can? What would God have to do in your life to convince you that He can if He says He's going to? That's right. I mean, we all got to get to that point, you know. See, this is the crux of the matter here. Isn't it? Amen. It really boils down to what you think God can do. If you think God is God, if you think He's truthful... And if you think it's really him speaking, that's what it boils down to, because that's really what it is. Now, the Bible says that Abraham believed God. maybe you and I might not, but Abraham did. And so I think, okay, well, well here's the deal, when it didn't happen then, in the timing that Abraham and Sarah thought there was plenty of time, what did they do? Well, it took matters in their own hands. Now, of course, none of us would ever do that. Not one of us in here would ever take matters in our own hands and try to help God out a little bit. Has anybody ever tried to help God out? Who's who's helped out God? Uh-huh. Sure you have. Well, God, I, you know, you just need a little boost here. Right? We need to give God a little boost. Now, you're going to write that down, aren't you? You and I have—they did it. You and I have done it, you know. But then here comes God along, and 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 He makes this demand. You see, He made this covenant with Abraham, and so God's gift and promise were part of the of this uh, conditional contract. And God called for Abraham's agreement. To fulfill his part of the covenant, a covenant with God is somewhat like—I guess you would say—and and, and Doc Coker used to say this a lot, and he's right. It's sort of like a marriage covenant. You see, it's sort of like a marriage covenant. And in, in, a, in a marriage ceremony, the presiding clergy is going to ask, "Well, do you take this man? And do you take this woman?" And and then of course there's this this pause and this hush that comes over the congregation, and everybody's like, "Will they?" Because you can't go on until somebody says, "Yeah." Right, I mean, it's never happened to me yet when I've married people, but I've been, but there's been times I've looked at the faces thinking, I don't know what they're gonna say. <laughs> right? You know, sometimes you got a problem. Well, if so, the proper response is, I, I, I will. And they're like, uh, uh, uh. you right? right. I, I've seen people get panicked up there. And, and in their mind, I'm going, yes, no, right? And some people are like, oh, yeah, sure, yeah, I'm in. And others are like, they're just, they're not responding. And you're like, oh, this could go either way here. And I've heard of it happening. I've heard when someone said, nah, I can't. And it's, at that point, what does a clergy do? okay, we're done here. (laughs) Right? We're done here. And yet, that's precisely what's happening with God here. God is asking us this question. He asked Abraham and he's asking you. And unfortunately, I think we were quick to answer. Not understanding the ramifications of what we're answering to. Not grasping the responsibility that takes place when you say yes. Anybody? Okay? So we're just going to be honest here. The hush <laughs> until I do is said. Now, God certainly does call on humans. He does. And he always waits on a response. He's always waiting on a response. And God wanted to know what Abraham would do, and he wants to know what you are going to do. And here's another thing, friends. You said yes to God in your salvation, but what else is God talking to you about? What else is God saying to you? What else is God asking you? What else is God saying to you? Hey, I need you to do this. What say you? I need you to trust me in this and give up this garbage that you're involved in. What say you? Hmm? I know that you you have a problem. I know you have an addiction of some sort. Listen, it could be drugs, it could be alcohol, and it could be video games. It can be Food. It can be an obsessive, compulsive nature. It can be a lot of things that we sort of binge on sometimes. And here's the deal. They're not all bad. But here's what happens. When it takes all your time and energy and attention, where's God in the whole process? Where's He? He And God's saying, you know... I'd like to spend a little more time with you. I'd like to do these things in you, but I can't because Call of Duty has your number. Mm-hmm. Because food or people or kids or your job or whatever it is you're obsessing over has got you. And the devil said, mm-hmm. Right? Right? And so the Lord is speaking, you know, and he's saying, what say you? What say you? Because God demands from you a commitment. You see, we don't receive God's salvation nor enter into God's purpose and work until we have made a definite commitment to him. In fact, God demanded from Abraham this wholehearted commitment that and not only that, a strict obedience to God's commands. Mm-hmm. God said, not only are you going to go out where I'm going to send you, but I want you to act a certain way too. God forbid. Mm-hmm. I want you to quit with the company you've been keeping. I want you to quit doing those things you've been doing.
0: Come on now. That's
1: right. And I want you to start doing it my way. Why is that so hard? Why is it so difficult for us to say, yes, okay, God, yep, I'm in? Because we want to control. That's why. We want to control everything about life. And we think we know better than he does. We won't admit it, but we think it. Because that's how we act. So I know it. Now, here's the deal, friends. There actually is an entrance fee at the door of Christian status and service. Did you know that? Now, people going to get angry with me for saying this. There really is an yeah. entrance fee. Now, I know that salvation is absolutely 100% free. Anybody in here know that? Yes. You can't purchase it. You can't buy it. There's no way you can earn it. You, you, you accept it or you don't. That's a, that's a freebie. Yes. But both salvation and service demand the I do of self-surrender. Yes. Now, don't they? Yes. Now, come on. You see, this is the part we tend to want to forget, because we do have this obligation to not only be obedient to God when we accept His salvation, but also have a responsibility to learn what God's will is for our lives. And we're not sure we really want to do that, because that might be in contravention with our will. Now let' let's, let's just be honest with each other. Sometimes God's will isn't your will, is it? Anybody been there before? Right? Sometimes God's will is not your will, and you're you and you want to invoke your will, you see. So then what we'll do is act like we don't know how to find God's will, or God just not speaking somehow. Really? That's stunning because he's always speaking. He is. You think the problem might be that we're really not listening. Possible? And when we find out what God's will is, here's the big, the big, the big kicker. Now you've got to implement it. Lord help us, we don't want to do that. Don't tell me nobody in here hasn't known what God's will is but failed to implement it. Anybody done that? You know what that's called? Say it with me. Disobedience. <clears throat> we hate that word. Oh, we hate it when people disobed- are disobedient to us, but we hate it even more when we're the ones that's disobedient. We don't want to admit it. Come on now, no, come on.
0: That's
1: right. I'm getting... Take off my vest. I'm getting so warm. Yeah? I'm getting warm up here. Look here. Okay. Well, look here, friends. I'm going to tell you something now. Thank you. We don't like this idea of disobedience. Mm-hmm. We really don't. We don't want to admit it because we would... We would never want to say, well, you know, I'm disobedient to God. <laughs> Who's done that recently? Said, oh, I've just been disobedient to God. No, we make an excuse. We're good at it, you know. And, and, when, and here, here's how good we are with it. We line them all up, too. Because when, when God defeats, you know, defeats and defeats one, first thing we'll do is go to the set. Well, you know, well, then it's this, well, then it's that. Come on. You can't outweigh God in your excuses, but you're doing it. Huh. You know it's true. I know it's true. And we're better off if we just admit it, amen? Now, come on. See, this is where most Christians fail. It, re- it really is. If we're being honest, this is where we fail. So God, you know, gave him a promise and a gift. He gave him a demand, and now he gives him a command. God commanded Abraham to leave the familiar. i got to go back to this, friends. He, told, get out, he said, get out of there. you got to get out of there. And so Abraham was called to leave his native land and his father's home. Now, Abraham apparently didn't question God here. It doesn't appear that he did. It looks like he just went. Now, what he did behind closed doors, we don't know. What he did in his own mind, we don't know. But we know we do in our own minds. Huh? How many of you know what you're doing in your own mind? Yeah? You may not tell the church people. You might not tell your accountability partner, but like the bishop said, who knows? God knows what's going on in here, doesn't he? He's the only one that really does sometimes. Yeah? But we find that Abraham was willing to lead the familiar, go on out toward the unknown. Now, not very many of us are willing to do this. We're really not, at least not until God answers some serious questions for us, you know. Now, see, here's what we'll do. We may say, you know, God, I might be willing to do this, but I have some questions first. Who in here has done that? God, if I would be willing, what about this, what about that, and and, oh, the list goes on, doesn't it? You always have questions for God now, don't you? Because you have them for everybody else. You see? Do you really think you don't? Do you really think you're not questioning God? Now we'll say it isn't true, but now we know it is. Notice that God has given us a call to trust Him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. But here's the problem. We're we're who we really trust. We're the only, and you know what? There's a song out there by Elton John. He says, I couldn't trust myself and I wouldn't trust you. But the fact of the matter is, if you don't have God, then who do you trust? You see, I don't think Elton's getting it here. Because the fact of the matter is you'll make a statement, but you really do only trust you. I've even heard it said before. Take a philosophy class one time. You'll do an exercise on it, I guarantee you. If you're in my class, you will. And you'll have to break it down and find out who you really do trust. Every one of you is going to have to make a decision on who you really trust. And here's what you'll boil it down to. People will disappoint you, and yes, you'll even disappoint yourself. But deep down, the only person you can really trust is you. That's what you'll come to. I almost guarantee it. But see, God wants to change all of that. God says, "No, no, 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 no. You're, you're missing part of the equation here. I'm the one you ought to be trusting." God says, "You don't. You don't need to trust yourself because you can't. Trust in me." That's right. That's
0: right. That's right. That is right. That
1: is yeah. Jesus even said, "Trust in the Father, trust also in me." Yeah? There's no room in there for anybody else, including you. Hey, cool. you. Including you. But if you really want to get deep down where you go, where you don't go even at parties, here's the deal. You trust you. You might trust another person, especially if it's a spouse or somebody really close, but deep down when they've hurt you or disappointed you, you'll come back and you'll think, well, I'll never let anybody, we put up, put up this, start putting up these walls. Well, I, I'm going to protect myself and I'm the only one I trust. Tell me you didn't do it. Come on now. Anybody ever tr- tramped on you a little bit? Yeah, and you and, and then all of a sudden, you, you're the only one you trust. Tell me it isn't true. You'll turn to self before you'll turn to God, I promise you. Because that's humanity you know what, that's your safe place. Trust in self is safe, even even if it isn't. (laughs) You you understand this? To any question that Abraham had, God's only answer was, trust me. Whether he's called to leave the family in native land or remain right where, where he was, including for you. Whether you're called to leave your family and native land or remain right where you are, God's command is always up and out. Mm-hmm. Up and out. Right. Out of self and out of the conformity of society and into a transformed life with Jesus Christ. That's what he's calling you to do. Mm-hmm. Up and out. Get rid of this conformity that everybody's doing. Go ahead. Go ahead. Society doesn't have the They've never had the answers. Oh, they're answers, but they're the wrong ones. Aren't they? Go ahead. Now, come on. For specific instructions, we have to trust God one day at a time, and that's another struggle right there. You know, because here we go again. Uh, w- w- even if we're able to trust, well, what about tomorrow, the day after that? God said, well, what? We're, not, we're not talking about the day after tomorrow. Why can't you just trust me today? And then the day after that, and then the day after that. Uh, You know, right? As long as the sun comes up, the day begins. Why can't you trust me? I'm the one that did it anyway. Oh, yes, did. I mean, who did it? Who tells the ocean it can only go so far? Why? Huh? Who tells the sun where to rise and set? You tell me that. Who tells the earth how to spin so fast and at what angle? And how close to the sun? Because otherwise we'd be smoked by the sun or, or freeze to death in nuclear winter. I'm telling you right now. So who did that? Who's doing it right now? Who's holding it right there in the palm of his hand? Who is it? You think this science somehow controls that? You think that you know our grand minds somehow know what to do about it? No. We don't. But I know who does. God only. God only. <laughs>
0: it it won't work.
1: But this is where we struggle. We seem to want to decide whether we're going to trust God completely or not based on how much He reveals to us up front. Oh, yes. Really? It, that's who we are. Yeah. No, yeah. But that's not really trust now, is it? I mean, you trust whether you know it or not. You trust that the sun's going to come up. Mm-hmm. You trust that you're going to remain on the planet. Because <laughs> that's just the way things are. Mm-hmm. But I, I got news for you. That isn't the way things have to be. God could say, no, nope, take my hand off. That's it. Bye.
0: Don't.
1: Couldn't he? How many of us would drop everything, walk away from our homes, families, obligations, and allow God to send us wherever he sent us? Listen, friends, I think a lot of us would say we would, but if it came down to it and God (laughs) really was telling to do us, well, then I'm not sure. And yet we read that, lastly, God put Abraham to the test, Mm -hmm. just as he's putting you to the test. I don't like to be tested. Anybody here like to be tested? Come on, who likes to be tested? <laughs> Especially when you find out you're being tested and you didn't know you are being tested, boy, doesn't that just burn you. <laughs> huh? Mm-hmm. Anybody ever had a supervisor or somebody test them and you didn't know it? And you found out you're under test, it makes you feel all uncomfortable, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It makes you feel like, hmm, I'm going to keep a closer eye on things yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Hmm, I'm not sure I like that. Very yeah, it cha- it'll change. it'll change your demeanor right now. Mm-hmm. You'll become cynical? (laughs) I promise you, you will. Oh, you can say you won't, but you will. Anybody in here think they're cynical because of people? Anybody got some insecurities? Who's got insecurities? (coughs) Come on. See? (laughs) Well, get used to (laughs) them. Because your insecurities are going to get the better of you. The fact of the matter is, faith is often put to the test. Your faith is put to the test. You know who puts it there? Your father does. He's gonna put your faith to the test. Nowhere that I can see does the Bible promise Christian workers that they will be exempt from hardships and trials. Anybody read that anywhere? In fact it seems to say it's just the opposite. Every believer has to face doubt. Every believer has to face problems. Every believer has to face sorrows. And you better believe in life, we're going to have some disappointments, anybody. May time, may time, may time. Abraham's commitment to leave home and follow God was only the beginning, you know. Oh, he had good. no idea what was around the corner, around the bend, on the other side of the river, on the other side of the mountain. He had no clue because God wasn't telling him. No. And we're complainers, you see. Don't travel with children. Are we there yet? We just started. Well, how soon's it going to be? When are we going to stop? For a variety of reasons. You know, we get irritated by that. Who, who gets irritated by that? Anybody irritated by that? And then why are you doing it to God then? Boy, don't you just hate that when reality strikes. Don't tell me you're not asking God when this is going to be over. Don't tell me you're not asking God when we're going to be there. Don't tell me you're not asking God how much longer. Come on. I've done it. Come on now. I've done it. You've done it. Come on. See, God wasn't concerned that Abraham knew what was going to happen, was around the corner, on the other side of the mountain. God didn't care what Abraham thought. Didn't even ask him. He was only concerned that Abraham would be obedient and secure in the understanding that God would be with him no matter what. But here's here's another zinger that you ain't going to like now. See, it's not enough for us to know that God's going to be with us. We don't want to go through it at all. Come on. It's not enough that God said, I'm going to be with you. It's not enough that God said, I'm not going to forsake you. I'll never leave you. That's not enough because we want to say, but God, why I got to go through it in the first place? Because I'm going to be with you. But what if I don't want to go through it? What if I don't want you with me? And Don't tell me we haven't thought that. Now come on, because this is this is humanity. This is this is this. We're talking together here. This is this is the way things goes. This is who we are. Isn't that the key? The question has never been, "Will God go through this with me?" That's already asked and answered. We already know it. Because again, has God ever gone back on a promise? No, never has He said He will always go through you? Did He say He never leave or forsake you? Right. Yeah. So that's asked and answered, didn't it? So what's the question then? The question is, am I willing to go through it? The answer is probably no. Even though I know that God's going to be there with me, see, that's the problem. There, there, there's the problem. It doesn't matter to us oftentimes that God's going to be there with us. We simply don't want to go through the trial. That's right. Doesn't matter if God's there or not. Right. But what if God says, I have to let you go through this trial because it's the only way you let me in. I'll bet you we've been there. I'll bet you somebody in here has been there. You push God out to the point that God has to allow trial in your life just so he can spend time with you. (laughs) God wants to build some character in you and you don't want any character to be built because you like things the way they are very much. Thank you. I know. I know. I know I'm right. Because we're human. But here's the deal. <laughs> like it or not, Abraham faced some trial, didn't he? God never said, go go over here, pick up, and it's all become a hunky dory. He just said, Go. You you. you, you you're you gonna go and 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 you know, I'll see. I'll take care of him. And Abraham had a choice to make right there, just like you and I may have to have a choice to make. Abraham was faced with what I can see two great trials, both of which were centered in his uh, call to a, to a missionary life. First, his faith was tested by Sarah's inability to have a child. God had already promised a nation, and yet Abraham didn't have a single child. He must ask, Lord, why? How? When? Mm-hmm. Huh. God seems to have answered back, I have promised, I, I will fulfill. Wait for my time. And yet, for you and I, we know that time is this commodity, and waiting is often the trial. <laughs> Anybody find that waiting is the trial, huh? Sometimes waiting's a trial. You know, we become frustrated, angry, even sometimes, and we begin to do this thing called question God, even if we want a minute. Not only the timing, but the how and the why too, huh? Do we have a right to do that? Of course we don't. But we do it anyway. And so did Abraham. (laughs) Yeah. And Abraham's second trial was even greater. God finally gave him this son in his old age, and the son was rapidly growing into manhood, and God spoke again. Doggone it. God spoke again. Doggone it. God, quit talking now. Things are good. right? They're smooth. Stop doing that. Here we go again. What did God say? Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I'm going to show you. Here's God again. I'm going to show you where. (laughs) You can't even get to choose where it is. (laughs) Now, I'm sure Abraham didn't really want to do that. Anybody? For Abraham, this would be like the sky was falling, the world coming to an end, but he obeyed. He answered Isaac's questions about the sacrifice with sort of a helpless dependence on God. Well, son, God will provide. (laughs) What kind of answer is that? Huh? What kind of answer is that? The son's asking where the sacrifice is. He's done this a thousand times. Where's the sacrifice? Well, God's going to provide. (laughs) Right? Right? You know Isaac's going, that wasn't the only question Isaac asked. Well, how's he gonna do that? Mm-hmm. Right? You're right? And Abraham just had to keep trudging up the mountain, didn't he? And all the time Isaac's trudging around behind him. Well, but how? When? With what? Abraham didn't want to say, Whoa. sorry, son, but you're in. <laughs> That's right. Come on now. The same questions Isaac's asking, Abraham's asking. He's asking. And at the last moment, when the last ray of hope was about to fade, God told Abraham it was enough. And he said, now I know you fear God. My question is, what will it take for us? (laughs) Right? What will you and I have to go through, friends, for God to say, nah, that's enough. Now I know that you fear me. What terrible, terrible demand is God going to put on us that we might prove to God that we love and respect Him? You see, Abraham's test has real significance even today. God always demands our best, and yet I doubt we often give it all. I heard of a missionary who once preached in a small church and gave an invitation for young people to give their lives to God in service. And, so, and that might mean leaving home and going on the mission field, you know. And so the pastor took up the invitation and even extended it and a young woman came striding purposely forward and she went to the altar and immediately her, uh, her dad put his arm around her and said, honey, I didn't mean you. Mm. You see, she was his only daughter, his only child. Friends, God does not want from you what comes easily. But he does want your back. Mm-hmm. Do you see your children the way Abraham did? Right. Or do you see them as that pastor did? Mm-hmm. As our worship team comes today. Mm-hmm. You could really call Abraham the first missionary. Mm-hmm. Thousands have followed God's call, and now God presents himself to you. Through you, he wants to make a new beginning in your home. He wants to make a new beginning in your church. He wants to make a new beginning in your community or maybe on an isolated mission field. Mm -hmm. And I want all of you who aspire to ministry and even those of you who don't to listen very carefully here because it isn't what you think. Mm -hmm. It never has been. It's never going to be. You can have no preconceived notions about what you think ministry is. So get them out if you got them. If you've got preconceived notions about what ministry is, throw it out. Because it isn't true. I'm telling you right now. You cannot dictate to God how it ought to go. Based on what you think you're willing to do, what you want to do, what you expect to do, or what you think you're talented to do. Because God seldom calls you into any of those things. (laughs) You can almost say never. You cannot make it your own timing either, even though you want to. I can't tell you how long I knew I was called to ministry and God never opened the door for me to start. And I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and, and I waited some more. And then I became an assistant pastor, and it didn't mean a gosh darn thing. I didn't do anything. You know why? Because God didn't want me to do something. He wanted me to learn. Under somebody who absolutely knew what they were doing. And sometimes the way you learn is sitting there doing nothing but observing. And just being part of the moment. God demands your best because it's part of his
0: plan. Hmm.
1: And when it came time for his son to die, there was no substitute. For Christ died for our sins, and on the basis of that kind of love, God now calls you to make a new beginning in his service. And the timing? Well, be patient. Because he doesn't move in the swiftness that we oftentimes want him to Patience might make us toil with the fact that it seems nothing is happening, but I assure you that it is. Patience is built upon spiritual character, and spiritual character is built due to patience. And that my friends is a virtue that is so necessary today, so will you help others find meaning? and purpose as they find their new life in Christ, because that's so paramount today. As God needed Abraham, so God also needs you. Can he count on you? That's the question. Colonel Klaus von Stauffenberg was a German army colonel who was injured severely during a battle in North Africa in World War II. He was determined that Hitler was a terrible and unstable monster. And yet he was torn between service to his country and yet doing the right thing. And he knew that Hitler needed to be removed from power, and since he couldn't serve on the battlefield any longer, he was promoted to chief of staff of the reserve army, which was in place to protect Berlin from the uh, obvious incoming allied invasion. Now, Colonel Stauffenberg was willing to give his life for a cause that he knew was right. And he is rumored to have said to a young lieutenant who was assigned to his staff, I am engaged in high treason. With all means available to me, can I count on you? To which the young lieutenant paused reportedly, stared at the picture of Hitler on the wall and then back at Stauffenberg, back to Hitler and Stauffenberg, knowing the decision he would make would be the end all to life here. And he looked at Stauffenberg, he said, for anything, sir, anything at all. And I wonder what our response might be when God calls and says, can I count on you? Regardless of what might transpire. And are you going to stand and say, anything, Lord, anything at all? Are you going to say, well, what does that entail? What does that mean? How long is it going to be? What about this? What about that? See, God's not interested in thanks. things. He's God in Him. Either you trust Him or you don't. Stay with me.
0: Thanks for listening to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. For more great, biblically sound teaching, visit freelifecc.com.